Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. The Pharisees asked a question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled, and left him, and went their way. The word of God for us this morning. Divided loyalties. A problem that presses hard on many of us much of the time is what I call divided loyalties. I don't mean those rare dramatic moments such as occurred in some families during the Civil War when one son enlisted with the Union and another with the Confederacy armies. I'm talking about something that does not happen between so much as within them. And that it is not a matter of rare dramatic moments, but turns out to be a way of life where with our family members, our workplace, our community organizations, our friends, we end up in commitments that incessantly challenge one another for our attention, our time, and our resources. An old phrase for what we find ourselves repeatedly doing is robbing Peter to pay Paul. A new term we might say is juggling things. Perhaps the problem of divided loyalties has grown worse as life has become more complicated. But the problem is an ancient one. And it is featured in our story about today about Jesus and a question that is asked of him. The Pharisees have joined with the Herodians, very unlikely of accomplices, for sure, but they joined together to try and trap Jesus. See, the Herodians were a political party of Jews that backed the Herodian dynasty, and the Pharisees hated Roman rule and the Herodian influence. The mere fact that these two groups joined together reveals how much they viewed Jesus as a threat. Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no man, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what you think, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Neither group really wanted Jesus to agree with them. The Herodians were hoping that Jesus would say, no, you should not pay taxes. That's the Pharisees' position. 
the, then Jesus would have been in big trouble with the, the Roman authorities. If he agreed with the Pharisees, the Herodians could charge him with revolution against the Romans. The Pharisees were hoping, on the other hand, Jesus would take the Herodians' position and say, yes, you should pay taxes. Then Jesus would have lost the support of the people who hated Roman occupation of Israel. If he agreed with the Herodians, the Pharisees could charge him with idolatry. They were trying to catch Jesus in a dilemma. The question is not an honest question. A yes or no answer is sure to get him in trouble. At the issue was an annual fee of one denarius per person. The Jews especially hated this tax because it suggested that Rome owed them, owned them. However, Jesus avoided their trap altogether by saying, Show me the coin used for the tax. It is interesting that Jesus himself did not have the coin. So someone in the group brought him a denarius, which was the usual payment for a day's wage. When Jesus asked whose head was on the coin, they answered, the emperor's. In the time of Jesus, the denarius had the image of the emperor Tiberius with the phrase, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus, high priest. That is when Jesus answered with one of his most often quoted statements. Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Essentially, Christ is saying Christians should be obedient to their government by paying their taxes, while at the same time remembering that ultimately all things are God's. This story, however, addresses more than a question about taxes. It is more than a proof text about issues of church and state. It addresses the incessant challenge of divided loyalties, not only in regard to choices between government and God, but in the many circumstances, some of them large, others seemingly small, where we find that divided loyalties pull us tiresomely in one direction, then another. Jesus recognizes his interrogators are up to no good. He is aware of their malice and accuses them of putting him to the test, calling them hypocrites. This is no friendly chat session between teacher and students. It is a full-blown confrontation. Jesus asks for a Roman coin that's used for tax payments. Somebody produces one. And Jesus ascertains from his interrogators that the image and the inscription on this coin are indeed the emperor's. He then brings the confrontation to its crashing conclusion with a judgment some of us can quote. Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. Everyone present here today, everyone listening to this, knows what Jesus means by this. The coin can be given to the emperor after all. It has his name on it and portrait on it. It is issued by his authority. He is entitled to have what is his. But more importantly, the true king, God himself, is also entitled to his property, to what bears his portrait, and that is every human being. For each of us is created in God's image. We bear the divine image just as much as the Roman coin displays 
the emperor's profile and name. Giving to God what belongs to God is the big issue. It is through resolving this issue that you come to know what to do about your taxes and about everything else. What Jesus tells his interrogators in response to their one malicious question offers us a basis, a basis for resolving our many questions and divided loyalties, which we raise in a spirit of honest discipleship. We also are to give to God what belongs to him, what bears his image and his name. We are to give ourselves to God, not, all, not once only, but repeatedly giving ourselves to God is to be characteristic of our lives, something that defines and shapes who we are. On that basis, and only on that basis, are we equipped to address competency, the other claims, competently, the other claims made upon us. This involves rejecting those that lack legitimacy. It involves re recognizing claims that are legitimate and acknowledging the proper place for each in the ever-shifting network of relationships, which is our life. We are not called upon simply to give the emperor what belongs to the emperor. We are called upon as well to give to relatives, friends, strangers, co-workers, employees, and other people, wherever it is of us that they can rightly claim. We are charged with the creative and challenging task of transforming our diverse and divided loyalties into a unified life governed and directed by our supreme and absolute loyalty, which is to God and God alone. Nobody says this is easy. All of us make mistakes along the way, but we must recognize the task for what it is. And the wonder of it is that in putting God first, the other appropriate demands made of us can fall into their proper places. So that divided loyalties become united in a life that is diverse, ever-changing, and creative. Our loving God first and foremost gives us the wisdom and the orientation to love others in their uniqueness in ways that are right for them and for us. Once we give ourselves absolutely to God, then remarkably we are free to give to others in ways that are generous and life-giving rather than distorted and destructive. All of our loyalties worthy of his name blend into a single one. No longer are these loyalties divided. Instead, we recognize how deep down they are in concord with each of God's invitations. Moving from loyalties divided to loyalties united has a lot to do with giving. Giving ourselves totally to God, giving ourselves in appropriate ways to others. We may feel drained simply by considering all this generosity. As though we're asked to put on a picnic for the immediate world. The logistics overwhelm us. But when we get the tune right, by giving ourselves to God and to others in the best ways possible, then a transformation occurs. We no longer picture ourselves as givers. We are receivers, recipients of divine generosity. This is the truth of our lives, and we recognize it. 
So we can give to God our entire selves. We can give to others what belongs to them. Thus, we come to recognize true loyalties for what they are, a single, unbroken love, the electricity of God bringing power and light to the world. We are not the source of that current, but it is ours to enjoy and transmit. We must strive for holiness. We must affirm that which is genuinely good. We must proclaim the good news and seek to win the lost while we can. We must be at work transforming this part of God's world. And yet we must also recognize that God has called us to lives of difficult paradox, full of ambiguity and irony. Let us pray. What a joy it is, O oh God, to know that you're an all-wise God. You see glimpses of that profound, immeasurable wisdom in texts such as this. Oh, how hopeful to know we have in our hands this book with answers for life. Help us to be good citizens of this country, for we know that all comes from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.